Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. folks thank you for tuning in to another episode of bucks of america podcast i am your host jeff vance today is a special day because i'm actually here at the open season expo here in the dells i took friday off to come down here and hang out with uh, my good friend here captain cody lukes and we're just discussing here the preamble of what he's been going on from his previous season his ice fishing what he has planned and we're going to be in for a nice little treat here. And plus, we're actually here at the expo, too, at his booth, the whole nine. So, which is pretty unique because he's like, I've done these expos at the at their, at their booth and stuff like that. But this is kind of like nice to be during here, being here at the setup and such. So, man, Cody, how has your, how's everything going for you, man? Hey, Jeff. Uh, everything's going very well. Um, just got set up here in the Dells at the Karahari Resort. It's a phenomenal show they put on here last year, and we're back again this year. Yeah, because I was here last. That's how you and I first initially met. And you were just explaining to me before we hit, before I hit record is that this season, this this expo, it's actually bigger. More booths are filled up. There's going to be a lot more people because the weather is just going to be as nasty as it was when I went to the Iowa Deer Classic. Yeah, um, so I kind of did a quick walk around uh, before we got going here. And uh, there's more booths, a uh, little more variety, a um, little more fishing stuff, uh, tackle-wise. So I saw if you're a big pan fisherman, there's uh, some gear for that. Uh, some There's a guy with rods not too far from me over here. Um, very good variety. I mean, we got campers, uh, a lot of deer stands, uh, tractors. I mean, outdoor apparel, I can't name it all. Yeah, there's a lot of different ones in here. I'm looking forward to reaching, going back over because I need to get my supplies from Deception because they're just a couple aisles over. But they are known for their scent eliminators. And the reason why I bought it last year is because the guy used some buck urine, sprayed it into a cup, and he, of course it gives that awful nasty smell. And he used their product, and Deception completely eliminated that nasty smell. Like it completely gets rid of it. So it's like if your, ki- if your wife ever happens to accidentally wash your hunting gear you can spray it down with that limits the entire scent wow and the nice thing is the the half life of it it's it doesn't become completely useless until after six months so you can crack it as soon as opening day opens dump it in your spray bottle and you're good to go but uh we're not actually here to talk about that we're actually here to talk about uh captain luke's why did you decide to come to the ex the come into the kalahari last year to set up a booth uh so I realize a lot of my clientele comes from uh, this Portage, Wisconsin Dell area. So it just kind of made sense for me to come here and uh, advertise and uh, try to draw in some new clientele because I do get a lot of clientele from that from this region. Mm-hmm. And the unique thing is why I booked with you is because you don't ask for a deposit up front. 
And if the weather's nasty, we, we, we negotiate from there. But that's kind of like it gets the that frightness out of it. Because some people, some treaders, I'm assuming, that will ask, ask for a deposit up front. And some of them are even non-refundable. And that's what is, is kind of a, a, a high selling point to the aspect of like why I booked with you last year. Okay, well, I really didn't th- think of that, but I know I know most charters in this uh, in this uh, sport here that they do require a deposit. Uh, I've been very fortunate that uh, no, I haven't been kind of I haven't seen a negative impact from that um, where I would kind of get uh, stood up, I guess. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I take everybody's word. So, you know, they take my word, I take their word, and I haven't had a problem with that so far. The gentleman's agreement is still tried and true. You know, it's like it at least gives us some reflection on society and, and this Midwestern culture that they're going to do something, they're going to do it. Correct. Yep. Yep. And I know I, until, you know, the day I have a problem with that, um, you know, we'll keep it the way it is. So, no deposit required. You pay me after our fishing trip when we get done, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know that's how that's how I always work it. Yeah, I can relate to that because even with um, our my experience last uh, last fall when we went out and fished, so I mean it was a hard day of fishing. We were on the water for sixteen hours, and it was rough. And we were dealing with fifteen to eighteen foot swells, and it's like I'm kind of glad that the the, the the atmosphere of the crew was still positive and we still wanted to go after it. And a good thing we did because we came after and we had some really good luck getting after that gray water. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing we didn't have that morning when we set up in there. That water was really clear. Um, so it didn't, that water wasn't set up like how it was in the afternoon when we went back in there and try it. So uh-huh. and that's why we had some great success in there when we came back. Yeah, exactly. Now, I wonder if, like, you could actually go ahead and, like, take a – too bad you couldn't go out to the doctor real fast, lift up a drone, fly out there, look down. It's like, there's no, there's no gray water. And just tell your clients, hey, no gray water yet. Well, look, like, give me a few – like, I will let you know when it's ready. And a few hours later, just lift the drone up, look over. It's like, nope, messed up yet. Well, uh, that would be nice, Jeff. And I actually thought about getting a drone for maybe possibly that reason. But, uh, you know, usually when we leave the dock, it's, it's early and uh, there's not much light. Uh, last year it was kind of a, uh, the day that we had you out, uh, usually there's an offshore bite and that day, just because of the weather situation, uh, there was not much of an offshore bite for that day. So, uh, we had really had to rely on that close to shore bite when those salmon were coming in to spawn, targeting those fish right mm-hmm. along the pier heads. Now, is this your second year coming to the Kalahari or doing this, or did you come prior to them moving the expo from Madison to the Kalahari? I was just a spectator at the Madison Deer and Turkey Expo. Um, I always went there, just kind of scope it out and see if I would have interest of setting a booth, advertising there. Um, It just didn't seem like my clientele base, really what i got from it and when they moved it to the dells that kind of excited me because i get a lot of clientele for like i said from this dells portage uh baraboo area and mm-hmm. even further south uh close towards dubuque i had a lot of people a lot of people i met at this show last year that were from this area so um no i, I mean that's why i came i'm excited to get going here in a couple hours so 
Um, should be a great show. I'm looking forward to it too. I've, it's amazing. Like I tell people I'm coming today, and then it's like I'm coming tomorrow. I'm coming. It's like I had over over like a half a dozen requests. I'm coming over tomorrow. So it's like I might be showing back up tomorrow on Saturday, but it's like it all comes down to certain circumstances with the with the wife to figure out what she wants has planned. So and uh, we'll just play it by essentially playing it by ear from there. Now, why don't we talk about your this the, the gal that caught the record salmon, <laughs> thirty one pounds. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, it was a it was a personal best for our boat, which was just under thirty one pounds. Um, for, I met her at this show actually last year, um, and she booked a trip. It was the end of August. She booked a trip, and her and her husband, and they fished before and uh, many times on Lake Michigan okay. with other charters, and uh, they they had another big one on the wall that they caught prior and. Um, yeah, you know, we had a great evening. It was an afternoon evening trip, and she actually told me she wanted to catch a big fish, and well, she did it. So I was very happy for her. She actually caught it on uh, this company called B and E Tackle, and they make custom spoons for me. Okay, and what they're actually lighted, and that company was actually putting a promotion on B and E Tackle was putting a promotion on if you caught a fish on their spoon you know trout or salmon species if you had the biggest one they'd send you a plaque and uh, they did they sent uh, Los a plaque of this fish and it had to wait to her name on it what she caught it on and they actually sent her the same spoon that we caught that fish on which was my custom spoon wet dream spoon so mm-hmm. which was pretty neat I think last we went out we caught our um, Brady and Doug both caught their salmon on that exact same lure. Yeah, that lure was really hot for us. And you know, Jeff, uh, we're always we're always trying stuff different, new stuff, and we're looking for that new niche. What's going to give us that uh, jump on everybody else? And, yeah. Uh, last couple of years, I've been playing with a, a lot of sight, a lot of sound. The sound with, I've been using like rattle beads and stuff on my flies. Okay. And I think that has a lot to do with some of the fish that we're getting. It's drawing them in. And then uh, these spoons that we've been using from B&E Tackle, they're LED lights and they're water activated. So when you put them in the water, they activate and start blinking. And, you know, that's that's another thing to attract them is that blinking light. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a sole believer in it. You know, it's... Anything you can do to attract more fish, to get them to interested in biting, it's going to benefit you. Yeah, a few years ago, I caught uh, a 24-inch walleye on a Glow Pro, yeah, Glow Pro lure. And what it was, just a simple soft plastic gel, had two treble hooks. But what made it so unique is that it had a rattle in it as well. But it also has a glow, glow stick that you insert in it. So, so it's designed to deep dive. And so when you're getting to those, those 15, that, that 15 to 20-foot range, when it's all nice and dark, it just catches them, and I caught five, like four or five back to back on that one lure, and I have been able to repeat it since. But where I where I fish at, the water's been so low over the last uh, two years, it, it just hasn't been been efficient. So it's like, well, I just kind of leave that area alone because the fish aren't going to be in there if it's too too shallow, because then they end up getting too hot, and they're just kind of they'll go back off the channel. It's like I ain't gonna monkey with that. Yeah. So uh, no, like uh, when that lure was really hot for us, well, I was. We had many lures that were hot throughout the season from B&E Tackle, but 
that one particular lure, uh, the Wet Dream Spoon, it, uh, man, we were getting some big kings for five weeks on that lure. I mean, it was our best lure by far for five straight weeks. And uh, we were running it deep, Jeff. We were running it anywhere from 70 down to 200, 250 feet down, and we're catching these big kings. Wow, that's deep. And when you get down that 250, it's dark down there. But, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times when the water warms up, we have to fish that deep. So, you know, if you get it's that B&E tackle spoon that lights up, you use it to your benefit, you know, fishing that deep. And those fish can see it because of the blinking light on it. Okay, that makes absolute sense. Now, what about, uh, now, can, 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 a, can a guy go to Beanie and buy that lure? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you can request that lure. It's a custom lure. Um, but, yeah, you can request it. Um, actually, I made a couple live videos last year of that, uh -huh. of that spoon and what we're catching fish on. And... Jeff, who owns Jeff and his family, who owns that company, yeah, um, they had a lot of requests for that exact spoon, the Wet Dream spoon. Oh, that's so awesome. that was pretty cool. So there was one guy uh, Jeff was telling me, and uh, up in Minnesota after I made that video, I think he said he ordered like ten of them. Okay, of that same spoon that I had. So yeah, if you want that same spoon that says Wet Dream on it. <laughs> yeah, you can order that from B and E Tackle. I wonder how it went. I probably you probably use it going after either big pike or big musky. I wonder how his season turned out. Uh yeah, no. Uh, Jeff uh, from uh, B and E Tackle had a phenomenal year. Had him on the boat a couple times. Um, his wife actually caught a her biggest fish, which yeah. was just under twenty seven pounds. Or just it was just over twenty seven pounds. Okay. Um on know one of his spoons that he makes for me so um very good company uh if you guys are looking for you know lures if you do salmon fishing got a boat yourself uh look up b and e tackle i mean they've been very good to me um they're a little pricey but they're good quality he stands behind his product and they work that's what really matters is like well, people don't mind paying the price like when you buy a uh, a vortex you know it's like you're 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 going to get what you pay for it's going to be solid rock solid and it's got a heck of a warranty on it and the the, the company stands behind the product and i think that's what really sets everybody apart similar to hj too they they have that com customer service that they want to maintain that constant repetitive person person is buying new stuff so it just wants them to encourage buying new firearms and putting something on it and same thing with b and e because you never know when you're going to uh get snagged and all of a sudden there it goes Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I have a ton of their lures, um, but he he makes a lot of different lures, and uh, I'm excited. We uh, I trialed some lures for him last year. Um, he released them a couple months ago. Okay. Um, with this double ladder back, phenomenal spoon for June, July. That was one of her best spoons in June, July. Was this double ladder back series, and uh, great spoon. Um, you know, and he makes lighted flies. That's what really got in me connected with Beanie Tackle was, was, you know, looking for that, that, uh, you know, that jump on everybody else and okay. using lights and rattles. And I was using a lot of flies and what he had were these lights that I would put on my flies and I was catching fish on flies. I was always big into using flies. Mm -hmm. Um, you talking, referring to fly fishing or using no, flies no. down... Nope. Catching salmon. Flies uh, for salmon. 
Okay. Well, not fly fishing. Flies right. for trolling. They're about three, four inches long. Um, but I've been using lights on those. I've been using dodgers, uh, flashers with lights. Um, you know, you want you want something that's going to track fish. No, that is. Oh yeah, we're, we're I can be a test of that too. Like I've been paying attention, watching a lot of YouTube videos about the upcoming fish season. I'm surprised you don't go down to uh, Madison when they do their, their their their. Is it Madison or someplace near in, in February? They do a fishing expo. I got a friend of mine that uh, that I know from Facebook that actually was a speaker at it. And he was going after. He was um, his his um, lecture was on kayak fishing. Yeah, no, uh, actually, that same weekend that they had the fishing expo in Madison this year, I was doing a, a sports show in Green Bay. Okay. Uh, which actually would have been my home show. So they just started. They haven't had that show for man maybe close to 10 years in Green Bay. Okay. And now since the new expo center that they built uh, next to Lambeau, they brought that show back, and it was a great show. Um, unfortunately, it's during our ice fishing season, uh, so we lost that weekend ice fishing. But uh, it worked out very well for us, and I met a lot of uh, new clients that we actually got on the ice after that show um, a few times. I shouldn't say any. We booked like six trips at that show for ice fishing, and we got half of them all. We had a, a big rain up there, maybe I think about two weeks after that show, and it kind of ruined a lot of the ice fishing for us. But uh, no, got it real was, soft, got thin. Uh, no, the water got real. The water clarity uh, just turned to zero. So we went from very good water clarity in the river system, close to five feet, which is phenomenal water clarity um for the river that we fish and it went to zero i mean we went i mean three inches is what when we ended our ice fishing that three inches is all you could see into the hole i gotcha so then how was your ice fishing season overall yeah so man um a big change is what uh what we're accustomed to so we're ch usually chasing uh, the trout and the pike yeah uh, we're targeting the trout uh, the water dropped significantly this winter because of the lack of precipitation. And mm -hmm. that kind of changed uh, some things for us for the ice fishing. Um, and where the water was previously helped us because what happened was we've seen a lot of northern pike bef uh, this year where we've never seen pike before. Was um, it, were, they, were they moving to shallower waters or deeper waters? No. So, like, uh, you know, we fish... Anywhere's from Door County to Kiwani County uh, on the ice, trying to find wherever the best bite may be. And uh, usually when we fish up in, uh, up in Sturgeon Bay, we get a lot of those pike in from the bay and stuff. Okay. We don't see a lot of pike usually up uh, on the lakeshore side because um, the water's cooler. Um, you know, it's, a, it's the same water system, but the water's a lot cooler. Uh, it's clearer. There's not many, not as much weeds, vegetation for the pike. But what happened was when the water was high, there was a lot of uh, habitat, spawning habitat for these pike when the water was really high. So they had a really good success rate in the, in the Lake Michigan tributaries spawning. So what happened was now all of a sudden we're seeing a bloom of pike on the Lake Michigan shorelines. Okay. Where we haven't had pike, you know, there's always been pike, but not to this level. 
No, you you so you, like as a as a rough estimate, you prior to this 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 uh, that water the habitat change, where you see like maybe one every couple of weeks, or now it's like you'd see. I'm 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 not explaining it correctly, but it was. What did you mean by an uptick? Were you actually catching like every sixth fish was a pike? No, so like uh, uh, when we're fishing these Lake Michigan tributaries through the ice this year, we were getting pike consistently, and um, I bought a Panoptics, a Garmin Panoptics, and the pike that we were watching on that screen come through was unreal. And the amount of pike we're getting every single day was unreal. A lot of big, healthy, thick pike. Um, It was, they were fun. It was, uh, you you know, we're there brown trout fishing, steelhead fishing, and we're getting pike. So (laughs) places where, you know, we go just for the trout, we're getting pike too. Now, when the the pike come in like that, that, does that send them to a different direction? Or do do they all intermingle together, intersect? Without any issue? Uh, no, they, they really do intermingle, you know, in the same water. Uh, well, I did notice this year was uh, where we were fishing in the river system is the pike would be a lot lower in the water column okay. than what the trout were. So the pike would be near near the bottom or on the bottom, and we'd see that on our graph. The trout, we would get them from about three-quarters of the way to just under the ice is where the so i mean the same spot we're fishing you know we were getting mm-hmm. a lot of them jigging this year okay and uh you know on the same baits we're getting them on so you just it all depends on what level you were jigging at is what you're catching so ah, ha, ha. so now what was your biggest pike during the season do you, do you have any pictures of that um i do actually this one here um well through the ice that was, I want to say it was 38 inches or so. Yeah, that's, but that's at, what I say. She's look a, at the the healthiness, the roundness of that pike. And mm-hmm. there's actually a brown trout on this picture as well. That brown trout's 25 inches, just to give you a... A, a perspective on it, yeah. Because yeah. I see there's a, there's a couple other pikes in there too, but they look really healthy. Yes. Overall, they that, that, I mean, the fins, the the, uh, the how that color pattern yeah. shifts through the back of the back fin, the dorsal fin and such. And even through that white belly, it's like, it's very healthy. And it's like, did you, did you find anything random inside that, that pike when you cut it open? Uh, no. Mostly all golden shiners and gobies. I mean, gobies was the big thing in all of them this year. Uh, the trout we were catching were, had gobies in them. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were they were there. They were all full of gobies. That's I've seen. Never caught a goby, so I don't know what it looks like. So it's like that is that is a good sign that that even that uh, fish population is healthy too, as well to to produce such big old monsters. Well, the the gobies are invasive species. That, oh really? Uh, yeah they they came from overseas in the bulk tanks of ships. And that's how they got introduced into the Great Lakes. And uh, they actually, they're bottom feeders, and they kind of look for eggs to feed on. So, Oh, wow. That's what they, that's their main food source is eating eggs from other fish. Well, that's frustrating. So, it's kind of yeah. like when we do, when you go further inland, when you got to deal with all the, the common carp and such. Even though, like, years ago, over in Europe, these fish, carp, the common carp is a delicacy. And over here, we just consider them a trash fish. But they, they, that's what they do. They come in, they destroy the, the bottoms of the lakes, the rivers, and all that. And you get this massive algae bloom, and it just 
becomes very frustrating when you want to catch something, when you want to catch a catfish and end up catching a... Yeah, a, a lot of the guys up there by us uh, that fish on the Bay of Green Bay, they uh, that are perch fishing, they run into the gobies quite a bit. Uh, and then to our benefit, our benefit that uh, these whitefish that guys come up to the Green Bay and fish through the ice, they started now feeding on the gobies, so which is good um, that we actually have some predator fish eating uh, these invasive species. That's always a good one. I always like hearing that stuff right there. The biggest thing, I've, like the nice things are in your area. Do you, you guys deal with milfoil? Or is that mostly or more inland waters? Uh, we had some actually last year, um, and I'm not sure why. It was uh, kind of new to us, and uh, but it wasn't pleasant. No, it is, it is not, especially when you're trolling, because all you're doing is, like, you see your rod go, it's like, nope, and it's like, then all of a sudden just lets go, it's like, yeah, that's when you know you snagged out some milfoil. Yeah, we we did have quite a bit last year, and which was a uh, rarity to us, really. I All my years fishing on the Great Lakes, I have never remember a year where we had that much on the water, and, you know, there was days out there, the beginning, towards the beginning of the year, when we got out on the lake, where there was like fields of the stuff and if you be trolling along if you ran into it it would wipe out all your gear mm -hmm. oh easily easily that'd be frustrating especially like when we were out with you we had 19 lines in the water and it's like that would have just destroyed the entire day right there you had to pull everything all up and just pull off to the side there and undo everything we all had pretty much all hands on deck to get us back out there fishing so then what is the dnr's approach to removing that from the great lakes then well, they they really don't have an approach other than uh, you know try to reduce the spread is really I guess is you can say their approach to it. But uh, yeah, it's it's some nasty stuff. And the worst part is if you try to bring in something that would eat it, it would, it would create other problems, unforeseen problems. And it's so frustrating because I know there's people on the Mississippi that just absolutely hate dealing with that. Because being in Lacrosse, we're right there on the Mississippi, and it's like. It's become such a, you have to, once it hits like, towards the end of May, beginning of June, the fishing just kind of shuts down because all you're doing dealing with is milfoil. Then on top of the two, it chokes out the areas for them to do it at. So, and they're, they're not doing anything down there. And it's, it's, there's nothing you really can do to do it. Cause it's like, you can't take a plow in there and rake all that stuff out. No. Like, take a drag and just like, let's pull this out and like turn it into uh oh, what is it? Like a, just burning down on a forest fire essentially. No, once it's there, it's there, and uh, you know, I the DNR's approach is, you know, when you're fishing different bodies of water, they want you to wash and spray your boat, uh, check your boat trailer and stuff, and see that you're not transporting any of that stuff from one lake to another body of water. Yeah, that is their approach is stopping the spread, but there is no once it's there, you know, unfortunately, it's there to stay. Yeah, there was, I found an oddly enough on TikTok where I found a, somebody managed to take a submersible that runs off of solar energy, and what it does is a skimmer, and it just, and it goes around ponds and rivers and stuff like that, and all it does is it, it pulls that material off of the lake and it puts it into a hopper, and once that hopper's full, then they'll turn around and they'll go to the, go to the shore, have the operator remove all that stuff out there, the guy on the, and begin doing the same thing over again until it's all skimmed up, like pull off the duckweed and such to open all that stuff up. The only downside is, the cost per unit is like 13000 Now, we bring in here in Wisconsin, I think it's like something 
oh, oh several hundred million dollars with our with between all the sports that we have here and the tags and license fees like that money's not being allocated correctly yeah i mean um there's there's that and then there's i mean you can go anywhere I mean, the invasive species, which that's what milfoil was, is, invasive yeah, species. Yeah. Um, there's always new stuff. So, I mean, once you start uh, trying to attack one, then there's something in the back closet that comes out that kind of blindsides you. That's, okay, how do we deal with this problem now? It seems like how it always works in the ecosystem. I'm, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, Big Gates released um, GMO modif genetically modified uh, mosquitoes, and I'm not quite sure. Now they've they've released them down in Florida, and they've released them down in Texas, and they've released them down in South America. Now my thoughts is, is like if we're going to be doing this to a species that grows an awful lot and exponentially, but it provides a food source for so many animals. Yeah, I don't. You haven't heard much about that. No, I haven't heard much of any of that. Um, again, you. You would be looking at possibly bringing a new species in to handle a situation. I don't know if you want to introduce another species because usually that creates new problems. Exactly. I think the Australians have a big issue, like showing how they brought in cats and to deal with the rabbit problem. And then now I have a cat issue and such. Like there's, it's weird because I've seen, I've heard like Steve Rinella talk about this, where they've actually have hunting magazines of people holding cats because they they became such a problem. Because okay. they tried to introduce one thing to fix another problem, and all it did is just become an all-route issue and such. Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a fragile body of water. You don't think the Great Lakes to be fragile, but it, re it really is. It's a fragile piece of water. Oh, yeah, you, you throw out the pH balance, and they can send the, the entire body of water into a, a tailspin, turn it into a desert. Yeah, and we don't want that, especially charter fishing. <laughs> no, overall, no, because uh, we do a lot of uh, import-export through the Great Lakes and such for everything coming from Green Bay, Duluth, on out. Yeah, there's a lot of grain export um, and your fuel import-export. Uh, no, there is, and there's really no way to eliminate, you know. They, they did create new regulations on, uh, on shipping uh, where they have to empty bulk tanks, you know, if they're coming from the Atlantic and the St. Lawrence Seaway, they have to empty their bulk tanks before they, you know, get so far. And mm -hmm. then just trying to reduce new introduction of of uh, evasive species. I gotcha. Uh, that's the, probably the best way to do it. I'm glad they're, they, they see that need. So when we were talking in the beginning here, you have a, a, a new thing you want to do this spring in, in May. Yeah, so uh, no, we uh, we usually go on in the beginning of Ju end of May, in June, uh, and we we're targeting the steelhead, the salmon, king salmon, and steelhead up in Kiwani. Okay. This year, and I'm gonna introduce this uh, today. This is I haven't publicly announced this until right now, Jeff. Yeah, I'm pretty excited uh, about this news. That we are bringing the boat down to Port Washington at the end of April, and we're gonna start coho fishing. Uh, for the entire month of May, we'll be down coho fishing. That is going to be exciting. So tell me a little bit, because I'm not familiar with the coho. Why don't you give? Why don't you tell me in, in a high school level of what the coho is and like the sizes, the dimensions, the colors, and such. Yeah. So the coho they travel in big schools, 
And uh, we usually get them, the southern end of the lake has, there's very plentiful with these cohos. And average weight of these cohos that we're catching are anywhere from three to five pounds. That's average now, three to five pounds. Um, last year, we saw a great average of very four to seven pounds on these cohos that we're catching down in Port Washington. And, you know, I've been fishing down there for a whole quite a few years now and we go down there in spring and it's it's a spring fishery so that's why we're able to get going sooner um you know the start of may this year is because it's a spring fishery it's a they are a salmon the coal salmon um they're a subspecies of the the chinooks salmon but uh they're very very good to eat a lot of people that's our favorite fish are coho they get this bright red meat okay uh it's pretty neat to see now on the high end what is like some of the the records of a coho uh i think i believe it's in the low 20s for coho wow that's, that's 20 pounds that's a big one then considering oh, yeah. the average is for like like you said five to ten pounds well the that that's a spring average the spring average we usually see a lot of those smaller fish oh okay um, that's what you're getting at so yep. time of day so now as as the season progresses then i take it that's when you start they starting to thicken up for the winter uh yeah i mean you'll see some bigger fish i mean i've caught i've seen two coho caught on my boat that were 15 pounds nice um those are beautiful coho actually in both coho we caught those in fall all right uh, usually when we're fishing for the kings in front Yes. We actually caught uh, two 15-pound coho, which are beautiful fish. Um, but, yeah, you do see them a little bigger. But uh, in spring, you just, that you see that three to five pound, four to seven pound. Last year was four to seven pounds. And I believe that average is going to stay at four to seven pounds uh, just because there's so much food for these fish to eat out there right now. That's a positive. So then, now... Is the meat better in the, in the spring, or is it doesn't really matter when you catch them? No, it doesn't matter when you catch them. That's that's what I always wondered about, like because there's certain people that only go after. Hey, going all right, man. Just re recording a podcast. <laughs> that, that was uh, Chris Ham. We're talking about funny running into him. I didn't think he was actually going to be here, so I got some news for him. But yeah, he uh, uh, it's pretty exciting to actually see him down here. I wasn't. He, this is with running HHA, he's a busy man with everything that he has going on. So it was just kind of random, like, look over, like, there he is. That's funny. <laughs> uh, we also have some of my friends here, too, from uh, the, the OKS Hunter podcast. They're in the other building. They have a little small little shop like you do here, there, too, as well. Now, um, what was I, I going to ask you here regarding the uh, cohos? So, no, do, do you change your lures out for those, or do you strictly do you continue using the B&E lures? Uh, no, we'll use some B&E uh, lures. Actually, we were running uh, last weekend. I was down in Oak Creek and fishing, and we were brown trout fishing. Okay. And a lot of that brown trout, we usually use a lot of body baits. Uh, my favorite is J9 Rapala, J9, J11 Rapala. Yeah. Um, those are my favorite brown trout baits, um, along with live targets. Uh, it was a little slower morning, and we started changing stuff up, and... We threw some spoons on, went a little deeper, and we knocked it out of the park. We, The next uh, three hours after moving deeper, we went so uh, eight for 15 and 
two and a half hours, I think it was. Wow. You know, we ended up we ended up eleven for twenty two. That's um, still pretty throughout. not a bad average right there. No, it was very fun. Um and that's that kind of southern part of the lake fishing. Uh you see a lot of numbers. Now when you when you like when you were down there fishing, were you just using somebody else's boat then or were you just on the ice? Yeah, actually I was on uh Jeff from B and E's boat. Uh yeah, I was on his boat and uh yeah, it kind of helps, you know, and uh, we usually take a small boat down there. The water's really, really shallow in Oak Creek right now, so okay. it's really tough to get any size boat out right now because the, uh, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Oak Creek, but uh, it's it's right on basically the beach of Lake Michigan. All right. Uh, and then there's a break wall. Well, what happened is, you know, you get a lot of south wind and it, it draws a lot of sand in there, and it has to get dredged out once in a while. And Milwaukee County uh, Parks owns that landing, okay. and they are not showing any interest in dredging that out. Where before they used to dredge it, um, I don't know if it's cost. I don't know what's their reasoning why, but uh, we were fishing, getting out of there last week, and uh, when we came back in. Uh, we're pushing sand with the prop, so uh, we're just fishing in an 18-foot boat. So, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's it was pretty shallow. Yeah, because even because my dad has a 16-foot boat, and it's only just just a few feet, just two feet shorter. But you still need an average of that that good five to to, to eight feet to to maneuver comfortably without having to worry about destroying your prop. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, you don't you don't want to hit bottom. And, run a bunch of mud or sand up into your outboard that's never good so um that just creates more problems but uh no the fishing was really good we actually we use those lures we changed a lot of those two of those beanie spoons out that day out deeper and that was the ticket um and those browns they were feeding on gobies again so um you know we're out fishing i think like 30 feet of water and we were just nailing browns one after another and it was really weird because, you know, usually when you guys talk about brown trout fishing, it's all planer boards. We're, when we fish browns up there in Kewanee, Door County, we're fishing in 6 to 12 feet of water most of the time. Okay. Running right along the beach. So it was a little different fishing out in that 20 to 30 feet of water. Um, we usually do that up there when the water's really clear um, and we'll have some success, but nothing like how we did in Oak Creek. I mean, we're running our run it catching them on downriggers and dipsies yeah. right near yeah. the bottom so nice that is that is always that is always uh, a pleasant thing to for good it's good research for for jeff but also good experience for everybody else in the boat because now it's like he's 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 analyzing the experience in a different manner by judging everybody now the fish the fish ratio the catch ratio and such and uh the success of everybody having fun because i mean that's kind of like how i look at when I look and buying different lures and such, it's like, how, how is everybody else in my boat going to react? Because if I start catching fish and I tell everybody, like, switch this lure because I don't want to be the only one catching fish. Because I've, I've been in a few situations where I'm catching fish and everybody's just casting. Yeah, no, and uh, when me and Jeff fish together uh, from B&E, he, uh, it's nice because he sees how we run stuff and he actually sees uh, – how we run his product and how his product actually does. So he sees for us firsthand, you yeah. know, how his product's doing. That's awesome. Then. So now we're coming up to the springtime then. It's like when you're looking to move around the lake and stuff like that and you're fishing peak times, 
what are some of the best times? Like if, if, if I was going to come up to you and I wanted to go after coho fishing, do you, do you, would you recommend a morning fish, an afternoon, or an evening fish? No, the, the cohos, you know, same thing with uh, Chinooks. Um, you know, it could be better fishing in the morning. It could be better fishing in the afternoon. All depends on the day, really. Uh, most people prefer the mornings. I kind of prefer the mornings. I, for me personally, I think the mornings are a little better than the afternoons. But, you know, we see a change frequently. Yeah, so, that's true, you know, yeah. on the daily, we see a change. So, so really, when you're when you're when you're putting these when you're putting a trip together, it's like doesn't matter. It's like, but you 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 that's what you try to steer your guests towards is doing a morning fish. Because I myself, I'm a morning guy. I like getting out there right at sunrise and out there just trolling around. Like if I'm fishing with my dad in Iowa or, or southern Minnesota. So yeah, no, it's I mean, it's all up to the clients. You know, if they want to do an afternoon or a morning trip. You know, some people travel. Um, they want and they want to drive. They don't want to stay in a hotel, and uh, so they'll drive to wherever we're fishing. Yeah. And so they'll do a morning trip or an afternoon trip, you know, whatever suits them. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't blame what they're. You want to cater to the uh, the clientele as, as best as possible. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it should be an exciting year. Um, yeah. So we're going to be in Port Washington for the month of May. Uh, we'll be targeting those cohos. You know, the last couple of years, we knocked it out of the park in May down in Port Washington. It's really yeah. fun. That's why we're going to move the boat down there this year. So when you move the boat down there, are you, are you going to just hop in the boat and just kind of troll it down, or are you going to actually you know, pull it out of the water and drive it down? Well, because the boat is up for winter storage right now, uh, when we move it, we're just going to move it right down to Port Washington on, a, on the truck and trailer. Okay, that makes – okay, I wasn't quite sure where – if the boat was in the water yet or not because march is always a weird month because it's like we had a false summer and we had spring again and then we and then here we are yeah no we actually have a lot of ice up there yet jeff um okay the, yeah, see, for the, the south, river we're, we're much all cleared out. yeah the harbor and river actually just cleared up here uh thursday uh yesterday yesterday okay. and wednesday you know we finally got cleared of ice and now they got some uh winter work uh kind of clean up in the marina they have to do from all the ice and stuff and get the dock prep the docks get them ready for us um, nice so they'll have a little time because i'll be in port washington for the month of may and then uh-huh. at the end of may we'll be moving the boat back up to home port kiwani and be hitting salmon and steelhead nice then uh so what's what's your what's your season gonna be looking like right now so those who are listening to this podcast what what should we what should they be paying attention for yeah, in the upcoming so, few months here to get you, get them out get yes. them out on the water? So if anybody wants a coho fish down and uh, we'll be in Port Washington, give me a call. We'll be there for the month of May, so we can get you booked up. Um, and then the end of May, we'll be leaving and we'll be bringing the boat back up to Kiwani in you know end of May, starting our salmon fishing beginning of June. So. And that's where we'll be for the rest of the summer and fall. We'll be up in Kiwani. So mm-hmm. from June into October, that's where the boat will be. Nice. That's a, that's going to be a fun experience for anybody that's going out there then. then and I, I'm assuming your rates don't change, whether it be coho fishing or salmon fishing? Yeah, we're going to do. We're gonna keep it the same. Um, you know, our rates, we did have to raise our rates a little bit from last year. Which makes sense. Um, I mean, every, everything had to go up because of inflation. Yeah. Uh, well, right now the gas prices are ridiculous on the water i mean people think it's bad at the pumps right now you know on land it's 
it's a lot worse when you're putting fuel on the water. Oh yeah, so, I've, I've been to a few lakes that have a, a gas station right there, and it you're looking at eight, ten, twelve bucks a gallon just because they're going to charge whatever whatever what they, whatever it takes to get that fuel there, and however long it's going to take them to get rid of it. Yeah, so right now we're paying about four bucks on uh, on shore right now. Uh, on the water, we're paying uh, right now. If we had the boats in, we'd be paying about four. Forty to four fifty. I know it's a little more uh, when you find premium uh, up by us. It's unleaded, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, when you're looking at putting premium in, uh, like some of the ports down south here, I Port Washington, Milwaukee. Yeah, they all have premium. So I mean, you're already up in the you know mid fives already. Oh man. Well, at least you're not running a, a racing fuel. Like I live in West Salem, and we have a racetrack there, and it's already like nine fifty a gallon for racing fuel, but it's like nobody's really racing right now. But it's it's I'm not I hate to see when racing kicks off. They start doing it every weekend, and what the prices are going to be like? Yeah, no, I'm I'm hoping for my, for my benefit that it goes down, and for my clients' benefits, you know, coming over to fish with me, you know, um, you know what? So if I get a lot of people from this show, they're going to be coming from the Dells area, and they're going to mm-hmm. drive across the state to either see me in Port Washington or Kiwani. So, you know, it's more costs, you know, the, mm-hmm. the rates, my rates went up and it's going to be more for, you know, fuel to drive over there to see me. So yeah. everybody's going to be forking out a little more, unfortunately. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing. No, we've come to a great spot because we're this, this, the, the show is actually going to officially open here shortly. So tell, tell the listeners how to find you. Yeah. So we're, we're at uh, booth 1017 um, here at the show. Uh, we're right across from, oh, what is this, uh, Wisconsin RV. Um, kind of right in the middle of the main room here. Um, got a booth here. And if you can't make it to the show, you can either, you know, give me a call or look me up on my website at www.wetdreamsportfishing.com. And I try to list all my information on there as possible. So if you're on uh, on edge about, oh, I don't know if I want to go fishing or not, and should I do a charter or not, well, just give my page a look, you know. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, that will, uh, I got some pictures on there. I'll give you all the information you need to make your decision whether you want to do it or not. That is a fair point right there. So there you have it, folks. Thank you captain lukes yeah thank you jeff you're um, very welcome yeah hope for a great show here and uh like you said if you can't make it uh look me up but uh it's gonna be a great show and if you're not here this year try to make it next year you know there's a lot of different stuff here and i'll kind of let you walk around here jeff because you haven't had a uh chance to walk around and see all the stuff around here yeah there, i've been doing i've been a doing a fair share of e-scouting essentially <laughs> i will pull up the pdf and look at everything to to see what the what, what the show has to offer and what i want to make it a, a a attempt for yeah no it's a it's going to be a great show open seasons uh bonier corporation does a great job putting this on um we're we're one of uh we're lucky ones because they only do i think like six states where they do a show throughout the year and we're one of them wisconsin yes. so it's a great show they do a fantastic job amen to that bro. well that's a good place to end up thank you captain yes. we'll let you go sir yes thank you jeff